This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Good morning, Dan and Amy. Half of the country cannot name a single member of the Supreme Court of the United States, but that's okay. This is never really majority-driven. This is not uh, Not direct democracy. It's a representative republic, so energy matters, and an informed minority is really what moves history in one direction or the other. Um, uh, But that's sort of an aside. The real question is how many of those uh, compensated shrieking protesters could name a member of the Supreme Court. Um, I suspect they're in the majority that well, couldn't. Were they paid yesterday? I mean, you had 70, 70 who were arrested and charged with mm. disorderly conduct. Yesterday it was just 20, but they did constantly were kicking people out, and then, you know, they're in line, so they put new people in their places in the back two rows, and they kept getting kicked out. Well, uh, the, uh, you know, between the shrieking from <laughs> the astroturfing protesters, uh, there were some substantive discussions. Good. So you and, and of course, the Democrats uh, focus in on uh, serving their constituency by pressing Judge Kavanaugh on abortion and guns and executive power. Uh, in his one of his exchanges with uh, Senator Grassley, chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Kavanaugh made it clear that nobody, including the president, is above the law. And to begin with. You're correct. No one is above the law in our constitutional system. Federalist 69, Hamilton, makes clear all the ways that the executive branch as designed by the framers of the Constitution was different from the monarchy. Under our system of government, the executive branch is subject to the law, subject to the court system. And that's an important part of Federalist 69. It's an important part of the uh, constitutional structure. You know what I like about Kavanaugh, uh, and he, this happened throughout his hearing in the Q&A, not only can he give an answer, and the answer you would expect him to give, no one's above the law. I mean, that's a Steven Seagal line. Anybody can give that line. Um, he presents the evidentiary backup, and he knows it because he is steeped in knowledge of the law, the foundational principles, the foundational documents of this country. Uh, and uh, all of the component parts of the Constitution. He's not a picker and a chooser. He's not a living document guy. That comes across not just in his responses during that hearing, but also in the more than 300 opinions he's penned as an appellate justice, appellate court justice. Uh, One of the big issues, of course, was whether or not uh, the president has to abide a subpoena were one to come. Uh, This is, uh, you know, uh, Nixon redux and, of course, Dem talking points when it comes to Trump and uh, the prospect of impeachment in the context of the Mueller investigation. Now, you know, interestingly, against the backdrop of this conversation, you have Mueller submitting written questions and uh, the Trump legal team deciding if he's going to answer them. So it doesn't seem to be going the subpoena out at the, at the moment, but that doesn't mean that it couldn't change. So here was Kavanaugh's answer uh, to that, which of uh, you're just not going to be surprising to you. Can a sitting president be required to respond to a subpoena? So that's a hypothetical question about uh, what would be uh, an elaboration or a difference from U.S. v. Nixon's precise holding. That's right. and, and I think 
going with the Justice Ginsburg principle, which is really not the Justice Ginsburg alone principle. It's everyone's principle uh, on the current Supreme Court. And as a matter of uh, the canons of judicial independence, I can't give you an answer on that hypothetical question. Yeah. Uh, punting that, not going to preordain uh, cases that uh, he hasn't already adjudicated. The, the last exchange, another exchange with DiFi that I want to play before we get to our guest, Tom Jipping from the Heritage Foundation, one of those evil right-wing groups that Elizabeth Warren prattles on about. Uh, th- 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 this is just remarkable. And it's so... and. It's so frustrating because people should be zeroing in on the philosophical difference, the understanding of the law, the understanding of a law in the context of a free society. And this was most notably on display on the issue of guns and Kavanaugh dissenting at the D.C. appellate court level with the majority opinion upholding Washington gun ban, which was ultimately overturned by the McDonald by the Supreme Court of the McDonald case. Nationally, right, including Chicago's gun ban. Thank, thank you, Mr. McDonald, a Chicagoan. But he, he listen to what DiFi is saying, and listen to Kavanaugh's reasoning for his decision. This is so important. They're widely possessed in the United States, Senator. Talking about assault weapons, and uh, they are they are used and possessed. But the the question is, are they a dangerous and unusual? They, they're certainly dangerous. All weapons are dangerous. Are they unusual? And uh, given how prevalent they are in the United States, uh, it seemed under Justice Scalia's test, if you look at the majority opinion in McDonald, the same thing. I want to reiterate, the Supreme Court made clear that machine guns can be banned. So the important thing is he he took the uh, Supreme Court's decision in Heller Mm -hmm. and applied their test with respect to the handgun ban in D.C., and that's the basis which he rendered his opinion and common use. They were arguing common use. It is not disputable that there are millions of so-called assault weapons that DiFi would like to ban in the possession of Americans. She argues that possession isn't the same thing as common use. Okay. And he argues common sense, which is it. Obviously, it is. You don't have to actually go to the range to use your gun. You can have it on you for personal protection. Um, That exchange on gun rights and the assault weapon ban really presented two wildly different schools of thought on how the law should be applied. And people should go back and watch the entire DiFi Kavanaugh exchange, not just on guns, but also on abortion. But the gun one was really illustrative of the muddled thinking of the left to be generous for more on this. We're pleased to be joined by Tom Jipping, deputy director of the Edwin Meese, the third center for Legal and Judicial Studies, Senior Legal Fellow for the Heritage Foundation. Tom, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. So um, what about uh, you uh, over the Heritage Foundation, the Federalist Society, these vast uh, members, these members of the vast right-wing conspiracy that are trying to uh, force Judge Kavanaugh down the throats of America, according to Elizabeth Warren? Yeah, I, uh, before the last year or so, there, there weren't any organizations in American history that tried to influence who who became a federal judge and what the Supreme Court did. I mean, that's a brand new thing. Not the ACLU, no. certainly. Um, no, I, and, you know, that that's what the, the Heritage Foundation is very proud of the principles we believe in and trying to uh, implement those principles, especially when it comes to the courts. But, you know, every administration, Democrat or Republican, 
seeks and receives all kinds of advice, input, suggestions from their uh, like-minded allies as to the appointment of judges. Every administration does. You cannot, if you, if anyone believes that Barack Obama and his administration did not receive suggestions from liberal groups about who to appoint to the Supreme Court, I've got some oceanfront property in Utah to sell them. I mean, it, that, that's the way the process is done, and it has always been done that way. How do you think Kavanaugh is doing so far, Judge Kavanaugh, excuse me, I mean, 12 hours yesterday, I think nine the day before today's day number three. Um, he's he's doing exactly what he needs to do. Uh, this 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 is the eleventh Supreme Court nomination I've been involved in. I've worked uh, in this particular field of judicial appointments for thirty years and have never seen the kind of um, insanity that is going on in this hearing. Nonetheless, he is reflecting uh, the the very same principles. Uh, and understanding of what the courts are supposed to do in our system of government that is reflected in his opinions, in his speeches, in his articles, in his previous confirmation hearing. I mean, he last appeared before the Judiciary Committee in 2006. He gave a big speech at the Heritage Foundation a year ago about this. He's reflecting the very same principles that um, really shape his approach to all of his cases. And it, it, it's very instructive. I hope people are listening and, and don't don't get distracted by a few a few lunatics, but on or off the committee, but um, <laughs> but uh, you know it it's, it is reflective. I, th- I think your point earlier that you're talking about two very different views of what the courts are there to do, of what judges are supposed to do. That is that's spot on. It is. It's a it's a conflict between two different views of how much power judges are supposed to have. And I think Judge Kavanaugh has the right one. Well, and, uh, and uh, Lindsey Graham uh, had an interesting uh, uh, sort of chastising of his Democrat colleagues, pointing out, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was confirmed 96 to 3 because the question at bar is, is this person qualified to be on the Supreme Court? Not do you agree with their judicial philosophy or every opinion that they've rendered if there is such a record. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Ron Johnson, a senator from Wisconsin, had said uh, over the weekend uh, and get your take on this since you have this historical perspective. 30 years ago, he said Kavanaugh would have been confirmed unanimously. Do you agree with that? Well, um, 32 years ago, Antonin Scalia was confirmed unanimously. There you go. I mean, he, he was appointed in 1986. I was actually working for him that summer. while I was in law school at the time, but I worked for him on the Court of Appeals in the summer of 86 when he was appointed. And a two-day hearing, and he was unanimously confirmed. Um, he couldn't be confirmed today, probably. But uh, that that and, and by the way, Justice Scalia refused to say whether Marbury versus Madison was correctly. Yeah, decided. that's right. So, <laughs> you know, right, and, and, and right. Ted and Ted Kennedy voted for him. So um, things have changed an awful lot. But what hasn't changed is what we talked about a minute ago. It, the same issue uh, has been, is, and will be the central uh, focus of the confirmation process, and that is what are judges supposed to do in our system of government? Well, when uh, Ben Sass, senator from Nebraska, we played some clips from him yesterday in terms of his little civics lesson to the country, which I suggested should be required viewing for every high school student in a history class and for every candidate for public office, talking about the abdication of responsibility by the legislative branch 
the legislative branch uh, ceding more power to the executive branch, both parties doing it over the last 50 years. And uh, thus, there is no place to play out our politics. And so we play it out with uh, the courts and with uh, and, and in instances like this when there's a Supreme Court nominee. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I worked for Senator Orrin Hatch for 15 years on the Judiciary Committee, including five as his chief counsel, and, and um, observed these kinds of debates up close. I, I think this is the first time that there are, that there are three Republican non-lawyers on the committee, Grassley, Sass, and Senator Tillis, and I think they, they bring a, a, an excellent perspective to the committee. You know, you, you mentioned a poll you know, earlier in the intro, um, you know, 10% of college graduates believe that Judge Judy is on the Supreme Court. <laughs> what? Uh, that's because that's she should be, Tom. That is absolutely true. Well, whether she would do a better job or not is a separate question, but they actually do believe that. 12% of Americans think the Constitution protects the right to own a pet. So, um, you know, we, we S- Senator Sass's point is absolutely right. Oh, um, too, too much of our... Um, governance has been ceded to unelected people, that is, unelected judges, unelected bureaucrats. And, uh, you know, you can't have accountability and responsibility when that happens. And so Senator Sass, I think, uh, really hit the nail on the head. So you said that you've covered 11 hearings for Supreme Court nominees? Uh, I have been involved in, yeah. in 11 Supreme Court confirmations, either five while I was working on the Judiciary Committee and six in a role like I have now um, outside of the grassroots. And know. have you ever seen such craziness? I mean, 90 people, 90 people so far have been arrested, escorted out, and some of those protesters were paid. Well, I, you know, I think worse than actually paid, I, I, saw, I heard a couple of audio clips of people who had asked them, well, what are you protesting? Uh-huh. And, and some they don't know. girl said something like, well, I just want to get people out to vote. <laughs> See that—that's what I find more disturbing. I mean, oh be, being paid is yeah. is bad, but somebody who thinks that they can promote voting by screaming in a confirmation—I don't know—I just—I've never seen that kind of stuff before. Um, the people who organized it and orchestrated it—I'm not sure what they thought they were accomplishing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't help their cause either. The fact is, the the, the camera is focused 95% of the time on Brett Kavanaugh. And he is a brilliant, principled, uh, currently sitting judge, and he's uh, reflecting the very kind of principles and common sense that he will bring to the Supreme Court. And um, by the way, I believe that Kamala Harris also believes the uh, Constitution confers a right to own a pet. I'm not not sure on that. (laughs) I mean, a few weeks ago, well, and remember... um, she and every other Democrat on the Judiciary Committee already announced their opposition to Kavanaugh weeks ago. I believe she may have done it before she even knew he was the nominee. Um, every single Democrat has, you know, 10 weeks ago said they were going to vote against Kavanaugh. So all of these questions, all of this hand-wringing about how we need more information to be able Feinstein said that, you know, I've got to know your views on abortion because that's an important element of our decision. She'd already decided to vote against him. <laughs> they, they didn't need any of this information. They didn't need this hearing. They didn't need this process at all to make up their minds in early July. 
so what is this song and dance about now? Well, that's really... why. Yeah, that's why it was kind of fun to see them be shamed by a former clerk for Ruth Bader Ginsburg and an appellate lawyer, Lisa Blatt, who introduced Kavanaugh as somebody who said, I wish Ruth Bader Ginsburg had all nine votes, but that's not our system. Sort of shaming people that are, uh, you know, uh, holding Brett Kavanaugh out to answer for Merrick Garland and everything else under the sun. Oh, of course. And and, and the, the clip, one of the clips that you had with Judge Kavanaugh mentioning the Ginsburg standard, and, and he said it really didn't begin with Ginsburg. That's true. Uh, earlier this year, Senator Hatch published an article documenting how all the way back to 1939, every Supreme Court nominee appearing before the committee, save one, has has done what Brett Kavanaugh is doing, and that is saying, my impartiality as a judge is going to be compromised if I sit here making commitments under oath to you, a politician, and I'm not going to do it. Uh, He's in a long line of Democratic and Republican appointees and nominees going back 80 years, and uh, I'm glad that he's sticking to that principle. He is Tom Jipping, Deputy Director of the Ed Meese Center for Legal and Judicial Studies and a Senior Legal Fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Tom, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. You're welcome. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Hear about the big stories of the day, then talk about them right here on Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer.